What's going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode of Stereotherapy. I'm your host, Lisa. And of course, you know, I got my girl, Justine, always there along with me. If you're new here, you're checking us out for the first time. Hi, this is the show that showcases the importance of music and mental health. We invite guests on to share their own story of how music has made a positive impact in their life and to share their own mental health journeys and what we can do to further end the stigma of mental health. And I firmly believe having these conversations is a little start. As always, guys, if you want to help support our little show, all you got to do is leave a positive rating or review on any app you're currently listening to this right now. It would really mean a lot to Justine and I, and I've really seen this podcast reach a few people that it probably wouldn't by doing that. So just a little thing if you feel like doing it. If not, that's okay too. So glad you're listening. That's amazing and we appreciate you. Today in the show, we were joined by Drew Zimmerman and he is part of the Warped Band. You haven't heard of them? Maybe, maybe not. If you haven't, the Warped Band is an awesome tribute band to something that's near and dear to Justine and I. And I know so many of you because I think we've been connecting a lot about the Warped Tour and what we miss about it. And anytime I put a TikTok out or something, we all have a memory. And they're really doing it the right way as far as a tribute band. They're not just hitting pop punk. They're not just hitting punk. They are hitting all those genres that made Warped Tour amazing. Like, think about it. You could see a hip hop act. You could see a metal act. You could see uh, a pop act. We forget Katy Perry was on Warped Tour. And I think just so many things, they've done it in such a respectful and just wonderful way to give tribute to something we love and we miss so much. We've got when we were young, but it's not the same. It's not Warped Tour. Sorry, it's not. But we talked a lot about Drew's early days of falling in love with music, some of those core memories for him, his band, the Warp Band, what they've got going on, what he's proud of. We touched on his own mental health journey and what he does to cope with it. And you will also hear a flub of one of my favorite records of all time that I fucked up. But it was hilarious and, you know, what he didn't give me too much of a hard time, which I appreciate. But I rebounded well. You'll hear that. Again, I'll have all the links below and definitely check out the Warp Band after this. See what they're about because I truly think they're doing something really special. And I was so thankful that Drew took some time for us. And I think you'll really enjoy this one a lot. I know Justine and I both did. And we were like, how are we going to get this out with our schedule? Let's just get this out whenever we can get it out because we want you to hear it. All right. I will stop my spiel. We will get right into the conversation. You're going to meet Drew. Here is our conversation with Drew Zimmerman from the Warped Band. But again, like I know it's a it's a small world because you know my friend Ashley, who does photography, and I know she's gonna listen to this and she's really excited to have to have us have you on. But for someone that maybe is unfamiliar with you, if you just wanna give a little introduction to yourself for the listener. Sure. So uh my name is Drew Zimmerman. I play in a band called the Warp Band, which is a warp tour tribute. I also yes. am the songwriter for August Winters, which is my original project. And outside of that, I am an event manager at a 8,500-seat arena in Reading, Pennsylvania. Another Pennsylvania. Like, I feel like for some reason, <laughs> I'm just I, I'm just drawn to there with this podcast, and I love it. Um, but yeah, like, that's – I loved that you were, like, seeing the Warped Band because we grew up at the Warped Tour. I think we all did, anyone listening oh, yeah. to this podcast – uh, but so I'm so curious for someone like you that's obviously been around with music. What 
are some of those first memories of falling in love with music, if you can remember them? Uh, so for me, um, I grew up with my grandparents and my grandmother was classically trained in piano. So kind of music was always around our house, but it wasn't like, wasn't that interested. Like they tried, they did the, you know, you're six, you're taking piano lessons, deal with mm -hmm. it type thing. But I just, I wasn't interested. And then, um, I ended up, I was in private school and my mom switched me to a different one. And, uh, when I started at this private school, um, they had a music program and, they had, it was just one teacher who did the whole thing. Cause it was, you know, it was only 200 people in the whole school. And, um, I don't know. I just became infatuated with him as, as a teacher and as a person. And, uh, you know, he was classically trained in guitar him and I, you know, we talked and I, I started playing guitar. You know, I, I always liked music. Um, you know, I, I remember being a kid and mom taking me to Burger King when they were doing the the Backstreet Boys tapes, like the oh VHSs that they used to give out. Yeah, remember those. <laughs> and uh, you know, so uh, you know, I started learning from uh, Dan uh, how to play guitar and stuff. And it, you know, he was was a lot of hymnals and worship bands, and you know, Chris Tomlin and Mercy Me and that kind of stuff. And that kind of twisted. Um, because I was always kind of like, I, at that time I, I just found Dookie mm -hmm. and figured out what green day was. Yep. So my, my whole scheme started to twist. And the next thing, you know, him and I were on two different spectrums. I, I was a star pupil, but I'm in the music room playing, you know, anything off of Dookie. I'm playing anything that Reliant K had. I'm playing MXPX, you know, mm -hmm. I kind of. I kind of went down the, okay, I'm in private school, but I'll, I'll like find all the rock bands, you know, and even under oath at the time, you mm -hmm. know, was in that. So that was, that was kind of where I started to fall in love with music. And uh, so that was around, I was like 14, 15 at the time. So it, it's been, you know, at this point I've been doing music longer than I haven't been in life. So Oh, that's I, I know Justine you're a big Green Day fan too so like I that's I know is it true that a lot of people say this too if you want to learn guitar someone like Green Day um, or even a Blink-182 they're good starters for someone that wants to learn how to play guitar or are they totally is everybody lying to us that it's, it, it, it's not it, it, that easy right it depends what song you pick there's some Green Day and Blink that's pretty easy to play you know but then you get into like something like stay together for the kids. That's yeah. not that easy no. for somebody starting out to play, you know? Oh, no. Like I, I wanted to learn how to play guitar and I just was not set up properly. My parents, you know, I got a guitar, I got an acoustic and it was like, okay, you know, I didn't have lessons, you know, we couldn't afford lessons, which again, I probably should have had them. Um, I got a book that was like guitar for dummies mm. and a, like a little charger. And it was like, okay, go figure it out. And here I am looking up tabs for like dashboard confessional and stuff like that, that, I mean, again, I'm looking at, oh, this is hard. No. So I have so much respect for anyone that plays an instrument because I just, I could not do it. Oh, dashboard. Dashboard's a pain in the ass. I mean, oh, we, so see, there you go. Air, we were we were down a guitar player uh, yeah. back in January because he was out having a baby, and I had to learn the intro to Hands Down. Whoa. Way more difficult than I thought that should be. Way more difficult. I, to me, I'm like, oh, I got this. I like, I I understand this. I can do it. No, I was is the most <laughs> awful experience. Like, so at least I feel a little better that maybe it was a little more difficult. Uh, and maybe I should just stuck with something easier. But so we know that. Um, 
Corey Taylor is a huge inspiration to you and that you got to meet him. What was meeting him? How was that experience getting so, to meet somebody like that? <laughs> so I think Corey, there's people who take two sides of the fence with him, right? Mm -hmm. There's people who are like, oh, he's a, he's a complete <laughs> asshole. And then there's yeah. the other people who are like, oh, we he is God, you know? <laughs> I I'm one from working in music. I can pick up, you know, when somebody's genuine and when they're not and he's one of those guys where as long as you're on the level and as long as you're doing things the right way he's easy to get along with um Corey, i met him um in 2021 i met him at a convention in pittsburgh um i had been working at a venue and i had a buddy who came to that venue a lot he was big into the ebay autograph world not my interest whatever he he's that kind of guy that goes to airports in the hotels and it waits mm -hmm. for people and annoys the crap out of them yeah <laughs> probably has a restraining order against him from somebody but i don't know yeah and uh <laughs> you know we we were talking one day and he said you know i've been wanting to do you know more musicians of a bigger caliber and i've been having trouble getting them. well i said you know i had worked with i i've big cory fit huge cory fan you know mm -hmm. he he's one of my influences and i said you know i worked with his manager a couple weeks ago with a band maybe i can reach out and we can set something up with him while he's in town for pittsburgh you know so i reached out and sure enough she was able to get us a deal together and i took it back to him i said look i got you a private signing with him but i'm going along and i'm paying to get a couple things signed for myself so we went and we we got a conference room at the hotel in the most in legit way possible by calling the hotel and saying we worked for him and we needed a conference room for a half hour. Complete bullshit. But they said, you know, we got everything set up for him and he came in and he he was there. The girl who was with him, kind of like his manager, she was like, ah, it'll take him like 20 minutes to do all this. But he got in there and he started talking to us. And the next thing you know, we were almost there an hour because he would like, wasn't even paying attention to what he was supposed to be doing. He was too busy talking. And, uh, you know, he, he's a real genuine guy. Um, he's kind of one of those guys where he, he really started in like the rock scene and it just kind of took off. And, you know, he he knows who he is. He knows like what kind of pull he has. But like he he was so nice. You know, he talks to you about all kinds of stuff. He told us all kinds of different stories and that and joked with us. And uh, coincidentally, then I switched jobs and now I've worked with him both solo and with Slipknot. And I mean, it's been the same, you know, scenario. And with both of those shows, he he ended up actually remembering me because they oh, were so close so together. Cool. Yeah. Oh, so. he's bucket list for me mm -hmm. to ever get to meet or even be in the same room. I mean, obviously I've seen Slipknot, but never in a capacity like to meet him ever. So oh, yeah. that's that that makes me so happy to hear someone like that on that level is a genuine, nice person. Oh, and his wife's amazing too. Alicia's fantastic too. I mean, she's great. So if you ever get a chance to go check out her, uh, like Cherry Bombs troupe, that thing's that's pretty cool too. That's so good to know. Like, because I know, I think yeah, that CMF two his project is not coming around me in New Jersey, but um, or maybe it is. But I think last time they did, they weren't. I was like, oh man, of course, back home in Illinois, like he, they're going all over the place over there. But oh, it's easy. He's 
you know, what, a couple states away being in Iowa. Yeah. I'm like, all right, you know, that's so amazing. And I know he's someone immediately when we did the Slipknot episode, it was like, we have to do him. And, you know, you get some backlash from some people doing it. Cause mm-hmm. like you said, some people have their opinions on Corey Taylor and right now, especially, but he's just such also a huge mental health advocate, which I mean, I know, you know that, but I think whether people are listening and like him or Slipknot, he's just, he's so important to music and so many people. The people who don't like Corey Taylor are generally the ones who think that MGK is a punk artist now because he did yep. one album with Travis Barker. <laughs> okay. I was so mad at Riot Fest. I wasn't there, but I saw the video where like MGK was playing and he had stuff to say about Slipknot. I'm like, come on, dude, like Slipknot are legendary. Like I can't even think yeah. of where I know MGK is doing his thing. He's made his money and I get it if that's your thing, but it's just it's not for me. So I I tried, I gave it a shot because I didn't want to be that person, but especially when he dogs on Corey Taylor. So that's, that's a no, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and obviously another musician too, Dave Grohl, when I was like doing a little bit of research on you, I was like, yeah, this I is was perfect. In, I'm impressed by the fact that you found that one. <laughs> so I was, I was really excited to see that because those are two of my, I mean, I've loved Dave Grohl. I'm a huge Nirvana fan and Foo Fighters and just anything Dave Grohl. What about him? has either whether it's him or his music has inspired you in any way. Dave kind of is one that he's really well-rounded, right? So, yeah. you know, obviously drummer Nirvana first, and then he went to Foo Fighters. A lot of people who don't follow him don't realize that first Foo Fighters album, he wrote and recorded everything on it. Mm-hmm. He had no band at the time, you know, and that's kind of one thing I've always respected about Dave Grohl is he's always been a guy, no matter which band he was in, where it's F it, I'm going to do it and I'm going to find a way to do it, whether mm-hmm. I have people to help me or not. And, you know, I, I've always kind of been that way, especially growing up in a DIY scene where where I came from, you know, we didn't there was a couple bands, but nobody was booking shows. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, at the time I'm 15 and I'm spending money out of my Kmart paychecks to book a community hall for us to throw shows, you know? So I, I I always kind of connected with that. And, you know, when you look at Dave, I mean, like I said, he's well-versed, he plays a little bit of everything. And that that's kind of where I'm at. You know, I filled in for bands now on drums. I play bass, I play guitar, you know, most of my August winners albums, other than the lead guitar, most of that stuff I track or write myself. I know the last album I brought a bunch of different musicians in on, but like, you know, it's something, I connect with him on and he's always just from interviews and stuff I've seen. He's always seemed like he's going to have his days. Don't talk to me, but he seems like a pretty genuine guy, you know, who's just happy to be making noise. Yeah. Like I know. And I know some people will say things also about him, but I think it's also is the people that want those autographs. Like we were kind of talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Like I know Mm -hmm. he won't sign those because he thinks, you know, those aren't for genuine fans. Those are just to make money. And, mm-hmm. but it, again, it's Dave Grohl and he's so, he's like rock's little sweetheart in a way. And mm-hmm. it just, he's someone that I respect so much. Cause he's always said things like that too, you know, go make music in a garage, go do this. And I know people want to say, well, it's easy for him to say, but I mean, look at how Nirvana started. It's not like he <laughs> just big success right away. Like they, they literally did that and they changed music forever and just, he's another bucket list forever. And that's why I was so excited. I was like, yeah, sorry. We got Corey Taylor and Dave Grohl. Yep. Someone on this podcast is going to appreciate these two. I'm 
So yes. Well, and you look at, you kind of look at what Foo Fighters does. I mean, look at all the different times they've done little pop-up shows at mm -hmm. really tiny venues that they have no business being in, you know, oh. and it's that kind of stuff that keeps it fun for them as musicians at that level. And it's also cool for, you know, a fan base because it's mm -hmm. something you don't see a lot of bands doing, you know? No. And like, actually like back home where I used to live in Chicago, they did this place called the Cubby Bear tiniest maybe i don't know 150 max maybe even less they randomly said okay we're gonna be there and you had to either get tickets or line up i forget how it was i mean i didn't get one but just the, to know that other people had that experience that tiny venue like, i mean i love seeing them in any venue they're a band i would see 10 out of 10 like anytime any price i'll go see dave Grohl and the food fighters just to hear that man but i know uh Justine, I'll let you go ahead. We got to get into the warp band. We got to get into this. Mm -hmm. What do you feel is a common misconception about cover tribute bands? Uh, the big misconception, I think, is they're similar, but they're different, right? So, you, yeah, every tribute is a, technically a cover band, mm -hmm. but not every cover band's a tribute, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, cover bands are you could be playing a little bit of everything and just be playing your local bar, you know, <laughs> for, for us, the idea behind this, there's a couple like bars, quote unquote, we play, but we're looking to be more in the music venues that just happen to have a bar. Right. That's always <laughs> that it's not to get sidetracked, but that's a misconception a lot in the music world is, you know, every bar is a venue and every venue is a bar. Well, no, they're kind of different. Like if it's a place that's only concerned with their alcohol sales, they're just going to book whoever for 500 bucks to come play third eye blind and wagon wheel and all that crap all night, you know, <laughs> versus a tribute, which is what we're doing where we have those couple places, but we've been really starting to push more into your typical concert venue. Right. And the other thing we're trying to really do with our tribute is we want it to be an experience. We don't want it to just be you're showing up and we're playing a couple songs, you know? So from the sponsored backdrop to make it feel like a sponsored mm -hmm. stage at Warp Tour to our merch, to we're working on figuring out a way to incorporate the freaking red blow-up board with the bands oh on it. Oh my God, you know, that's amazing. We love that. Just, you know, and now like, I can I can talk about this now. This just kind of got done last week is this summer we're going to be doing a beer collab and having our own beer line in places we're playing all summer. Oh, so, you know, and, awesome. and, and the theming for those is we're going for the cool gear cans that you used to buy, you know? So like mm -hmm. we're, we want it to, it's not there anymore, but we want to keep as much of it as alive as possible. So for me, the whole point of this tribute to me is it's not a cover band. It is, we are giving you as close to a warp Tour experience as we can. No, it sounds like that. And that's what I kind of, I loved when I found you guys, I mean, from Ashley posting, I was like, this is so cool because while there is this revival going on and that's really, really cool, it's missing warp Tour. Like those, the, and, and we have, when we were young, we have all those festivals, but I just feel like I, I've never been yet because um, it's just too expensive. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to thousand dollar day. Like even what they got going on now, like I'm, it's not for me, but <laughs> Um, I miss those days of lining up and going early and you had to be there early. There were no set times. Mm -hmm. You didn't know oh. you, I missed some of my favorite bands because, um, I remember one year was, I think 2006, 2007 circus survive. They played at like 1130. So I 
like was stuck in traffic or whatever yeah. and i miss them it's just it's how it was and then if you didn't luckily being in the midwest you could go to like a different date and you'd be like all right well now i know i have to be there early and maybe they wouldn't play to like seven the next day but i i miss that and i think that's so cool and unique that you guys are doing that and from the videos i've seen it looks like people are really enjoying that and i mean for you like and do you see like that kind of crowd reception of people enjoying it a little bit and i mean to me i mean they're screaming like taking back sunday back at you and all the good stuff well yeah and and, and i do you know i i felt for a while um this had potential um you know there's you got your dj mo nights but when you go to yeah. a lot of those like a lot of people who go to those are like 18 to 24 you know they're the kids that really if they got to go to a warp tour they got one in under their belt you know right. it wasn't yeah. like somebody like us who you know i spent a decade going to warp tours you know and Same. sometimes i'd go to multiple warp tours because this band was only playing this date so i'd go to that date you know so <clears throat> for me it felt for a while you know your djs are fine i i got no beef i know a couple of them but like these songs weren't wrote by djs or producers these were wrote by bands and there's a different energy and a different feel when this is blaring at you from a guitar amp on a live stage versus just coming out of the DJ's CD player. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when I got into the idea of it, you know, there was another band doing this already, mm -hmm. but when you look at them, they're only playing pop punk and emo, which that's not all of warp tour, you know? So no. for me, this was, if we're doing this, I'm playing everything. I'm doing no effects and sublime. I'm doing, mm -hmm. You know, Wonder Years, Taking Back Sunday. I'm going to do Dashboard Confessional. I'm going to do Blink, but I'm also going to do A Day to Remember. I'm going to do Slipknot. I'm going to do Three Days Grace. You know, mm -hmm. I'm going to play Rage Against the Machine, even though they didn't play that many dates. You know, yeah. if we really want to get technical, we have Katy Perry in our wheelhouse. I was just going to say, it's one Warp Tour. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's Eminem and Black Eyed Peas are on that list to get added at some point, too, because they've all done a Warp Tour. You know, it, it's wild. <laughs> You know, and let alone that, the ska stuff. You know, we do mm -hmm. Real Big Fish, Goldfinger, yeah. Less Than Shake. Like, mm -hmm. there was so much that they weren't hitting, calling themselves a Warp Tour tribute. And I'm yeah. like, this can be done way better. Mm -hmm. This can be done the right way, and you can theme this. And so that that was a lot of the reason for wanting to do it. And, and there is a response for it. You know, we, we started in smaller 150, 200 cap rooms. You know, now we're booked this is getting announced soon we're we're booked playing a main stage at music fest this year for 2500 people you know wow. we're we're moving into bigger rooms you know we're talking to five to thousand capacity rooms now to go in and do shows starting in fall and winter this year so you know it, it's it's growing you know and, and for me the one thing i've always said is <clears throat> if you want a singer who's broadway quality that's not me but if you want a front man, that's the one thing I know I'm good at. You know, I've always tried through this whole process to stay as humble as I can, because I know a lot of the people in music, that's the thing that destroys them. Mm -hmm. But for me, I know I'm good at this. I know I can get on a stage to 200 eyes staring at me, no interest in what's going on. And the next thing you know, I can get, I can have them crowd surfing, you know, and I can get them interacting with me and, you know, uh, there's different songs where we purposely we put back and forth in it you know so yeah that's 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 one of those things too that 
I noticed about you too. And I, I give credit to anyone because I think we were talking to one of the bands we had on heading North. And I was like, how do you get over that? Right. Because I couldn't imagine being in front of 200 people and, or even 10 for that matter and getting up there and singing. And just, again, if someone was just like, you know, hands crossed, like just normal, like maybe, I don't know how I would get over that. So I like what you're doing because I, I, there was a, how was it? Yeah. Cute without the E I saw you do. And I said like, this sounds so good. Like I was joking, not half joking with Ashley when she was on, I was like, this would be a band if I was getting married, like a hundred percent, because that's what I want for my wedding. So I think it just, it's so cool what you guys are doing. And I can just tell you guys have put a lot of thought and care to it because I think it's easy for anyone to slap like, oh, we're doing warp Tour. But like you said, not covering. I mean, there were so many cool acts <laughs> and even like uh, atmosphere, you know, if you want the hip hop element, mm, yeah. you, you know, like there were so Definitely. many cool things about warp Tour that I think you guys are hitting. So, I mean, if it was up to me, I'd have a mini ramp on stage behind me and people skating. But I don't have that kind of room yet. I'm getting there. <laughs> Bear with me. We'll get yeah. we'll get a skate ramp in here somehow. We'll, we'll get that. I mean, obviously kind of talking and touching on it. There's this like revival going around with all these bands coming back. Um, I mean, you had Mike Hem recently do that big tour. You've yep. got when we were young. I mean, you got all this. What is kind of your take on that? And who do you hope makes a comeback from that Warped Tour era? If they haven't made a comeback yet, right? Because I'm trying to think like who. It's a tough question. Yeah, because, mm -hmm. you know, um, I mean, the one thing with the revival and I think Kevin Lyman kind of, I don't remember if he did this in an interview or if he was just talking one day at Warp Tour. When he decided he was going to put an end to it, he said, you know, this, as good as Warp Tour was for these genres and these bands and how it skyrocketed a lot of them, there were so many that were never going to get to the next level because of a Warp Tour, because you're going to see them at Warp Tour every other year and pay a lot less. So, I think one thing, as sad as it is, that has helped this revival is the fact Warped Tour went away. Yeah. You know, it's not as easy to go see all these bands now. So no. now you have bands like, you know, a Paramore back in arenas. You know, I, I've seen Paramore, you know, in outdoor amphitheaters, in smaller venues, and now yeah. all of a sudden they're playing arenas, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> another, Pierce the Veil, for example, we had them back around Thanksgiving at our arena, and I said, I do not see Pierce the Veil selling 7,000 tickets and it no. went so fast. You know, I, I, it's bands like that, that I'm like, there's no way these arenas, like my chem coming back that, that was kind of a given they're going to be in an arena, you know, it, same with like blink getting a Tom back, you know, it's going to be, it's what's going to happen. But like, you know, turnstiles in arenas now, like, Oh my God. Yeah. That's you know, insane it's, to me. What is going on around yeah. here? So I, it's as much as I hate to say it, I, I feel like warp tour, going away has almost benefited some bands in a way, you know, and then there's some bands that it, it's hurt because they don't have the opportunity to put that many eyes in front of them that easily, you know? So <clears throat> I think, I think that's one thing that's kind of helped, but as far as a comeback, I mean, that's a, that's tough because I, I mean, you know, your big ones are right off the bat would have been, you know, blank getting Tom, you know, my chem boys right. like girls finally going back yeah. out again, they're back out, but it's like, you know, and then you think, there's plenty of bands that don't play a ton, you know, like starting line. They only play yeah. 10 dates a year. Reliant K hadn't toured for six years, but they did a tour last year. So I'm mm -hmm. like, you know, for me, if I, if I had to pick 
and narrow it down to somebody from Warp Tour era that does not exist right now. Yeah. It hasn't even taught like you can't even do We're the Uncrowd now because they're no. playing right. They're playing out when we were young. <laughs> yeah. So that eliminates that. <laughs> so for me, I think if I had to narrow it down, I would say probably more local to home would probably be either transit because they were really on a good trajectory there and then it just kind of died. Yep. <laughs> um, or maybe, you know, I'm not their biggest fan, but like a man overboard, mm -hmm. you know, they were really keeping pop punk alive there for a while with, you know, stories so far in the wonder years. Yeah. So like a man overboard might be a good option, but like, I mean, I, I, I'm glad you sent me that question ahead of time because I literally spent a day thinking about this because I'm like, oh, I can't do No Doubt because they're doing a reunion this year. Right, exactly. Oh, yeah, that would have been... Can't do I, Sublime because they never stopped. Like, you know, you go back and then, like, yeah. I come up with bands I'm like, you know, oh, this band doesn't exist or this band yeah. doesn't exist, but they were side stage. I don't really think anybody cared as much as I hate to be that guy. But, like, yeah. So if, if I had to pick, it would be those two, either Transit or Man Overboard, as far as... A band I'd like to see do more starting line. I'd love to mm -hmm. see them actually do some new music or like a Reliant K. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, those are such good ones too. And I know even me, I was thinking about that. I was like, wait, like there has to be some band out there that hasn't. Mm -hmm. But I feel like all the ones that you maybe gravitated towards in some way, they are, whether they're back or right. they're announced in October when we were, when we were young. Yeah. But was there a band that you fell in love with like at work tour, whether it was a side stage or one you haven't oh, seen yeah. or you didn't see, but then seeing them there, that experience you fell in love with. Oh yeah. Um, senses fail hundred percent. Oh Sen yes. Senses fail was a band kind of like Seosin that they, I knew who they were, but mm -hmm. I never really listened to them. And, um, when I would go to warp tour, um, I, I used to go to Kevin and I would say, Hey, you know, I would go twice a year and I, you know, one, one day would be for me. I'm going to go watch every band that I want to see. And then the next day, the next time I'd go would be to network a little bit because that's what this industry is, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'd say to Kevin, who are some bands you think I should watch? You know? So it was like, you know, I watched the interrupters one time beeps mm -hmm. and her money makers, you know, bands like that, that Kevin was really pushing hard. And I ended up at monster stage one day and census fail came out and I thought, well, I'll watch them. And I absolutely fell in love with buddy. Mm -hmm. buddy is very much like me he's not the world's greatest singer but my god is he a good front man yes a hundred percent it's wild because i i did some work uh for hinder one summer and their tour manager is now working for census fail so i've now gotten to meet those guys and get to know them and you know it, it i'm starting to kind of become friends with steve the drummer who was in color morale before this mm -hmm. and they're just they're so nice and like they're just you know i mean they've got the finch one of the guys from finch playing bass for them now so it's like it's oh. wild uh, and speaking of what we were just talking about too finch is going on that tour with bayside they announced yeah. i'm like finch is back like yeah. you couldn't even say them if you wanted to yeah. say them like now i really kind of screwed up with that question maybe, but whatever maybe, it was fun to think about maybe mighty mighty boss tones i just came mm -hmm. up with that one that, that might be one that oh uh, I mean, come on, we, we would have to get them. And I just, uh, yeah, like it, it's it's wild just to think about all the bands like we're naming off that started on Warp Tour and or had their big break. So like, I think Mike Hem, oh, yeah. I remember talking about the side stages. I saw them yep. 
on a side stage before three cheers came out. And then once that came out, they were main stage and it was like, I mean, they did like a little interview or not interview, uh, signing on a side stage the year before. And I mean, they had a line, but what happened with them? And I do think it was that warp Tour culture that really catapulted them because oh, absolutely. It, I mean, how could it not? And I mean, well. state champs is a good example for me is yeah. I remember booking them in a small VFW hall in central Pennsylvania years ago. And then the finer things came out. And the next thing you know, I'm watching them from side stage in the main amphitheater at a warp tour. I'm mm -hmm. like, I remember putting these guys in a fire hall and us playing for 45 people together. Like, you know, it's wild. Oh, I love state champs. I think they're one of those newer, not that they're new, but like to a lot of no. people that are young, they're that newer band. Like that's the, mm -hmm. their generation's kind of newfound glory. Like if I yep. talk newfound glory, some younger kids have no idea what I'm talking about. And I'm like, oh, yeah. state champs, they, they know state champs. So yep. They're there. Stay champs. They know water parks. That kind. You yeah. Know, that stuff. I'll, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, come on, guys. Um, and just see it. I'll let you go ahead. I know I skipped around, but I was like, we're we're rolling with it. Yeah. We know the rise of apps like TikTok can either help or hinder a band. How do you feel the shift in the industry has made an impact on your band? Um. Well, I'm the worst one when it comes to TikTok. I'll start with that because <laughs> I, I, I just same. I had Facebook and MySpace for a while, like we all did, you know, and, and I was, I'm okay with, I was okay with posting on Facebook. And then like, I started to get into Instagram and then Instagram made it stupid easy now that I can post on both at one time. Mm -hmm. I have a TikTok. I know we're putting stuff together to build a band TikTok, but I'm not going to run it because I would absolutely be terrible. It would be like <laughs> me trying to run a Twitter account for us. Yeah. I was like, I was big when Twitter came out that I'm like, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm tweeting. Like, I can't yeah. do it. I just, right. I can't even mutter. <laughs> so I, I feel like it has helped a lot of bands, you know, like a Pierce Avail, for example, you know, mm -hmm. oh they, had a, song, they oh, had a song yeah. go viral and now they're in an arena, you know? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know so I, I think it's really helped bands like that. You know, it really helped like Papa Roach, mm -hmm. you know, Jacoby was one of the first ones in on the TikToks and stuff. And I feel like it's like everything. It's a tool that you can use, but it also can have its negative sides. You know, you got to rule number one as an artist is whenever you put it, something out there, don't go back and look at the comments because one person is going to say something negative and you're going to hate everything, you know, <laughs> and most artists do struggle <laughs> with mental health. So we already don't need that to add to it to make it worse on us, you know? So I, I, I think it helps. It does. You know, if you utilize it right and you ignore all the minority of people on there who just want to talk shit, I, I, it helps, you know? No, I can. Although like I'm the worst at TikTok. I have our TikTok and Justine literally started it. What a couple months, your own a couple months. And you have like, yeah. well, I can't even break a hundred <laughs> followers on the damn thing. And I'm like, and then like the, the thing I spend the least time on takes off. And I'm not a musician, but it's like for the podcast, it's like, oh, we'll reach people. But even that, like you get maybe 3,000, 4,000 views if you're lucky or whatever, 200. But that doesn't mean they go to your product either, you know, mm -hmm. like and or like you said, with the comments, that's our number one thing is, you know, we were down. I more I don't know, Justine, we were both down when 
you know, you see a comment or a rating and someone like left a face palm like this and like a one star. And I was like, look, you know, like, I'm not saying I'm a five star, but like, I'm not a, I'm not a one star. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm not. And, and, but it affected me. So I can only imagine mm-hmm. as a musician, you putting so much time and effort. And I think that's an important lesson for people. Like, just don't look at the comments. Just don't go back. Because I think I need to learn that and take that in. Well, and it, it takes away from the reason you're doing it. The, the it, whole reason you're mm-hmm. doing art is wasn't for anybody else. It was for right. you as an outlet and expression. So like, if somebody doesn't like it, that's okay. Yeah. There's billions of other people who might. So like, mm-hmm. you know, I know <laughs> there's people who prefer the other warp, uh, tribute band. Mm-hmm. That's fine. This was never about us. It was never, you know, even if they think it is, it was never about them. This is about keeping... Uh, the spirit is something that meant a lot to everybody alive, you know? Mm-hmm. So if that's your cup of tea and you just want to hear the pop punk and email, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm not offended. Yeah. You know? So it's the same thing with anything, you know, just ignore what everybody's saying. You're doing it for you. If people like it, they'll like it. If not, Oh, well, that's mm-hmm. not the reason you're doing it to begin with. Right. Justine, that's your, the messages you always give me all the time. We're yeah. keep, keep trying to say, <laughs> but it's always like, you know, and immediately it's always some, person that I'm sure I'm like listening to like 10 seconds of it or like maybe caught a clip of a band or something they didn't like and they're like oh let me be a keyboard warrior but uh in talking more about your band you guys were nominated for the central Pennsylvania music awards for best tribute band how does that feel for you guys to have that and and have people voting for you it it was wild um first of all I didn't even know they had a tribute category until we started looking into it I'm familiar with the awards, you know, there's some people on the board. I know there's some people who've won. I've known, you know, I, a venue I was running in 2001, one venue of the year. So it, it's kind of, it's been on my radar. Wasn't anything I ever really thought much into no offense to them. I have utmost respect for them and what they're doing and, you know, recognizing the talents in the local area. But, you know, we, we kind of started looking into it and we thought, well, we'll throw our name in the hat and see what happens. You mm-hmm. know, why, why wouldn't we, and the fact that we got nominated and we've only been doing this band since late 2022. So we've only got a little over a year under our belt, you know, and just to see the fact that, you know, we've got the award nomination and we're going to the awards show. We've got all these people who are voting for us and pushing us. You know, we just announced a show at a venue. I didn't think we'd play again, but we had so many people wanting us to go play there again. So it, it for me, it's, it's more than just an award, especially it's more of the fact that a, this idea that was floating in my head years ago worked B the fact that, you know, how far we've become and how far this little tribute act has grown in a, a year's time is baffling to me. The fact that we're even, you know, we're on that list with Pantera, who's a mm-hmm. Pantera tribute that's been around for probably a decade or longer and they're phenomenal, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's it's crazy to think about. Yeah, like that's I, I remember even looking at that list when I voted and, you know, sadly, like this won't go up and voting will end. But um, I think that was just cool for me to see a category for that, because I think kind of like what we were talking about earlier, but a lot of misconceptions, you know, people think, oh, maybe tribute bands and they've said it. Oh, well, that's not a real band or that's not, you know, they're not singing their own. But I think it takes a certain talent to be able to pull off being a good tribute band, because I've seen some that you can tell their heart's not in it. And 
again, it's their own thing to each their own. Like I don't play an instrument, so I'm not going to dog anybody, but I can just tell with you guys that you do take care of it and you want to do it. And I want to come out. Ashley's trying to get me out. Any show that's like near me and like the, I'm in like uh central Jersey. So whatever's close enough. I'm like, I, I want to go see this and just have fun yeah. and relive warp tour. And I think that's what you guys are putting out there. Well, and, and we do care, you know, yeah. to the point of there's songs that we play that I, I would argue to the death that we play better than the bands who wrote them, you know, mm -hmm. oh. and, and even down to the point of like some of the older punk stuff we're doing, like I have a different setting on my amp purposely to sound like an old 90s Marshall guitar cabinet to get that right sound. You know, that's yeah. how that's how particular I am with these guys. If I walk in and there's something missing we're not playing it at live until we figure out how to button that up, you know? Yeah. I mean, Dare, I mean, I don't want anyone to come for me, but my biggest gripe right now with taking back Sunday is sometimes Adam is hit or miss. You never know with him with vocals. And I was oh, going to yeah. say one of those bands when you were just saying that was for me, when I saw you do taking back Sunday on Instagram, I was like, I would see this way more than like, no offense to taking back Sunday, what they perform now. Um, <laughs> And again, no hate to them. I love Taking Back Sunday, oh, yeah. but it just live. I just felt like you guys captured Cute Without the E and the energy more than even them right now. Mm -hmm. And again, there's no hate because like I'm sure there's someone listening that's going to give it. But that's just a testament to you guys and what you guys do. We we get that comment a lot with like Yellow <laughs> Card because mm -hmm. Ryan Key's so hit or miss. We get yeah. that comment a lot with any of the Good Charlotte stuff just because not that good Charlotte isn't good and they're definitely better vocalists than us. Yeah. They are not very interactive. If you watch them anymore, they've no. kind of, they kind of got married and had kids and kind of went then like almost stepped back from being that in your face band, you know? So like, you know, like we do a back and forth in the Anthem. I've never seen them do that. No, ever, me either. You know? No. So for me, it's like, like I said, when, when we walk into rehearsals, I, I it's, this is going to be as good as the original or better, or we're not playing it. And that's just how we feel about it. I love that. Cause that is, I mean, I love good Charlotte. I mean, they were my gateway band. I know Justine, you too. And it was such mm -hmm. a, a amazing thing when they shared our episode once. And I was just like, like, I love these guys, but I absolutely oh, yeah. what you're saying. Like, I mean, they're the pop punk little, you know, Kings, especially, um, Oh my God. Why can't I think? Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous. Wait, mm -hmm. that that's the title of the record, right? Or yes. am I totally wrong? Yeah. So that one. Um but you're thinking I, I uh what is it? Uh Young and Hopeless. Or yeah, yeah is it? Yes, yeah, it is Young, and, young and the Hopeless. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, see, yeah. Now what, whatever, guys. You know, we'll just <laughs> I'm I'm leaving it in. I don't care if anyone knows I fucked that up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I love that record and like it just is but it's like you said, I remember seeing them back then. And now when I see like when I think it was when we were young and they were at and again, I know we're they're older, but it's nice to have bands like you to bring that energy that yeah. we all grew up on and have. Um, or they came out not to cut you off, but no, they came out. They came out at Warp Tour in I think it was 17. They came out and they started with Anthem and Lifestyles. They played Boys and Girls and they played dance floor anthem those were their first four songs and i kind of looked at the person i was with and i was like well they just blew their load in the first four songs so like i've seen everything i need to see out. so right. like you know eh, stuff like that it's like they they know that's what we all want like spread that out like keep everybody around you mm -hmm. know so for me yeah and you know it was better 
2018 warp tour when i saw them on the beach mm-hmm. it was definitely better but like i don't know i feel like they have a whole different energy and vibe lately mm-hmm. than they did back in the eyeliner days yeah you know <laughs> love love that band yes same. i think they're one of the most underrated mm-hmm. bands out of warp tour era because <laughs> i think when people like build their mount rushmore of warp bands are like blank green day paramore right. i'm like uh Good Charlotte had more radio hits than almost all of them. Like you're yeah. completely missing mm-hmm. this. Like, so, but you know, love that band, much respect for them. Yes. I, I've met, you know, Joel, he's super nice oh. and you know, he'll make time for anybody, but yeah, I just, that's one band that I'll die on the Hill that I think yeah. I can do his song better as a front man. So, no, that, that makes, I know a lot of times too, like we were saying in our episode with about good Charlotte was you were always, if you said you liked them, you were almost like that, that poser band. Like they're like, Oh, Mm -hmm. they're posers. No, like, like you said, like they are one of those pioneers and look at, they were all over MTV. They kind of carried that wave. I saw them on that Honda civic tour with newfound glory. And admittedly a lot of people wanted to go. They left after good Charlotte and, And a lot of people, it was 100%. less than Jake, less than Jake and Newfound Glory. And the crowd like down where I saw them was like, so many people left. I'm like, dude, it's Newfound Glory. Like, why are you leaving? Like, this is, they're huge. But at that time they were, Good Charlotte was the bigger band. And that just goes to show yeah. what they <clears throat> were doing. But oh, too many memories of that. And I don't- So our podcast obviously focuses on music and mental health. For you, how important is it to have mental health awareness and how do you cope with your mental health? Like what kind of tools do you use? Oh, well, this, this is a good one. So my December and January have been real crap. Um, I've kind of, I had a, almost a best friend that I've kind of don't have in my life now that kind of pushed me out and it took a toll on me. It really took a toll on me, especially in December you know, it was, it was the first time I called our, our drummer and I have been friends since we were 15 years old. And I, I called him and I said, I, for the first time in my life, do not want to go play a gig, you know? And it ended up being one of our highest ticketed uh, shows for the tribute band at the time. And But I called him the night before and I said, I, I, I do not want to do this gig. I don't have it in me. I can't put on the show that I need to for these people. And so for me, mental health's always been a big thing. You know, I was raised single parent with my grandparents. You know, I, I went to a private school and I was the kid that didn't fit in. You know, I'm the I'm the punk kid wearing the punk T-shirts, you know, in, in a private school, you know. So, you know, I was kind of always I, I was more of an outcast, I would argue, than some of the punk kids in public school, because at least in public school, you might find two or three people, mm-hmm. you know, that you could be friends. Uh, not me. I didn't. I didn't have that. I had 16 people in my class when we graduated and none of them listened to anything that I listened to. So for me, guitar kind of became the escape. Um, and, and, you know, going and playing shows at, you know, fire hall, VFW hall, Alliance club, wherever we were, you know, to the point where, you know, we get out of school and now we're playing some legitimate venues. Um, but you know, drums is a big thing that I use a lot just to, especially if I'm angry, um, I find that to be a pretty, a pretty good release. Um, I, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've gone through a lot and there's been, the shows have always helped, you know, I can get up there and I can, I can 
belt a little harder. I can, you know, if I'm jumping, I can slam my foot down and nobody's going to really realize the difference of why I'm doing certain things, you know? Um, but like even that show in December, like even Ashley, since we're talking about her, like she even Mm -hmm. pointed out, like there's, there's not many pictures of me from that show because you could see it in me. I hadn't been sleeping. I hadn't been eating. I I was Mm -hmm. just not, you know, not me. And there, there was different little nuanced things that she knows I'm going to do in songs that I didn't even do, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's, she's takes pictures for every one of our shows. So like, she knows what I'm going to do before I even think about doing it. But yeah, so for me, you know, shows help, you know, shows help a lot. Um, I think it's a lot harder for people on the road because you can't escape it. You know, you're, you're going to feel great while you're on stage for that hour, two hours, whatever it is as a touring musician. But the minute you step off and the crowd leaves, you're back on the bus and you're alone. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got the couple guys there with you, but like, I can tell you from touring experience, like you get back on the bus, you might hang out and have some beers, you know, or whatever, but like everybody kind of does their own thing a lot of the time, you know? So I think for me to be able to play a show on a weekend and come home and then have a little bit of a support group around me, I, I feel like that helps a lot. And, you know, that really got me to the point where, you know, end of December, uh, I'm taking the way I felt and I'm, you know, I'm turning it around when I'm, we're playing songs like Ohio is for lovers and I have to mm-hmm. do screaming parts or, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm, when I'm fronting on uh last resort by Papa Roach, you know, uh, I'm really getting that emotion out. So, you know, mental health is huge in music. I mean, that's why we do, I mean, it goes back to the topic we talked mm-hmm. before. Art was always an escape and a release for an artist, you know? So for a lot of people, if when you get that escape, it's great. But when the escape goes away, then you're not sure what to do. So it, you know, and that's the story of Chester Bennington, really. You know, yeah. if, if you really, <laughs> if you really look at like a Lincoln park, for example, and you listen through their discography, you can hear in his writing as it progresses, his mental health slowly dwindling and dwindling and dwindling and dwindling, especially on that last album. It, the signs of it were there for a long time, but it was, he was using music and writing to try to escape and get those feelings out. But when he was home, nothing against his wife, mm-hmm. but it wasn't protecting him from himself, you know? So it, it's one of those things where everybody handles it differently, but everybody needs support, whether they want the support or not, they need it you know, support and somebody being there a little bit more, who knows you, you could have two more Lincoln park albums by now. You don't know, you know? Yeah. I think Chester is one of those stories that so many want to, you know, look to before we lost him and they're like, Oh, look at him, you know, look how happy he was here. And I think that just shows what mental health is, right? Because on the outside, you could be really, really, really great. Or, you know, I'll have a, even in my own mental health and say, Oh, I'm good. I'm fine. Instead right. of like wanting to talk about it. Right. And when you're really are struggling, even if you have a great support system, sometimes it's, it just isn't enough. And I think losing Chester and even Chris Cornell, you know, he was yeah. someone that I just adored musically and to lose him as well. And it just, I think showed that whether you're a touring musician on a small level or a big level, we all deal with our mental health and it's, 
it just it's something that I don't know what needs to change, but something has to change with it because I mean, I would say accessibility, normal, like a hundred percent, but um, I feel like that's a pipe dream because of just the current state of everything. I mean, it's tough, It you know, especially with a larger band, you know, they're dealing mm-hmm. with managers, they're dealing with agents, they're dealing with promoters. There's a lot of people, there's, the industry is getting better, but there's still a lot of people in this industry who are very much the old school men, cutthroat mentality of where, you know, you could be their brother and they'll screw you over for a buck. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So but, uh, you know, we see that more and more starting to go away as the new generation of people come into the industry. So, you know, for a case like Chester Bennington, you know, he was a professional. His job was to go out and entertain people. So, of course, he's going to put all that shit behind him. He's going to put on a good face for interviews. He's going to do this. I mean, even even a Corey Taylor right now is dealing. Yeah. With it, you know? Oh, he, yep. <laughs> he put he put on a good face for a while and he just he couldn't he couldn't keep it. And he knows he needs the help, you know. Chester's one where he just hit it. He just, there were people who knew about it. It was clear in his writing. It was there, but he just hit it, you know, and it, it became too much because he just, while he might've had some people supporting him, he didn't have, he didn't have the help he needed, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, even me, you know, I'm sitting here right now talking to you. I got up this morning and had to go deal with a bunch of crap that I was not looking forward to dealing with. And, you know, but Mm -hmm. here I am. It's, life life goes on you gotta just you gotta put on a good face and try to push forward because if you let it eat you alive it's gonna win i mean even last week we've said before even on this podcast there's days where we've you know you just there's life there's stuff going on and it's but that's i mean we appreciate you taking time today on a day like today like i can't imagine going through anything in the morning and then it's like, I'll get on this podcast, but we appreciate you because I think what you just said is so great to say and for people to hear, whether it is a musician or just like your friend, check on your friends. And and much like you said with Ashley noticed a couple of things, right? Like people around you, I think we always notice something about people, but maybe we don't speak up on it. We don't want to, or we don't want to bother them, but it's so important for us to reach out on people and not put the focus on the people struggling to reach out always too. To, to mm-hmm. notice those things and do that. I'm just thinking about that mental health stuff. It, it's so tough. That's why we wanted to start yeah. the podcast too and have those conversations because part of hopefully ending the stigma is having conversations like this. And I think, gosh, what you just said is so great. I'm like, I, I know I'm already going to clip that part and have that because <laughs> I think people need to hear that and understand that yeah. where we've all, we've all got our our shit going on and just be there for people. Well, and, and people people who are struggling need to be willing to take the help. You know, there's, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who the minute you try to help them, they feel victimized, you know, so (laughs) they don't want the help and they'll push you away. You know, Mm -hmm. same scenario, what I'm dealing with, you know, I was trying to help and I got pushed away. So, you know, it's, it's what it is. And it's just part of, you gotta just learn. Everybody's different. You know, mm-hmm. it's the same way when you're doing business, you know, there's one guy I'm going to talk to when I'm booking the band and we're going to make all the dick jokes and fucks and bullshits and that while we're booking, because that's his, how we interact. And then, you know, the next guy I'm going to not curse around and I'm going to have a very professionally worded email to, you know, it's just, everybody's different. You got to find, everybody has to either be willing to take the help or they have to be they have to work to find what's going to help them, you know? And for me, it's like, like I said, it's, you know, most of the time it's, I come home and I play drums. I'm not the drummer mm-hmm. in the band, but 
I'll sit down and bang the crap out of that Dookie album yep. to get my emotions out for, you know, 48 minutes. <laughs> Let's see. I was going to ask if in, in any of those hard moments, if there is a certain artist or record or anything you turn to, because I find like myself, there's those comfort artists for me that I know Circa Survive is one. Anthony Green, mm. just love him so much, adore him. And so whenever I'm going through anything, I find I turn to his music. Is there anybody, I mean, besides obviously Dookie or just getting behind the kit, is there anything that sticks out to you during those moments that you turn to? Uh, uh, the the big one I've found myself turning to lately is during COVID starting line recorded a best of album live. Mm -hmm. um, so I find myself turning to that a lot. That's been pretty helpful, you know. I I could give the a typical uh, 2000s emo kid answer here and say that first Dashboard album. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I could give you that one. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I think really when I'm pretty down, starting line's kind of my go-to. You know, they're not my everyday go-to, but when I'm feeling pretty rough, I like, you know, I, I like that first. I like that first album, and then, you know, I like, you know, the, the best of me album that they did during COVID where they recorded everything live, you know? So they, and that album, especially because it's a little more raw because it's live, you know? Mm -hmm. And Kenny more... has those vocals too, that are just, they're so good when they're raw and live. I love his vocals yeah. so much. Kenny and his hair. Oh, I know. <laughs> As always. And it, he's, oh, that I, I love the starting line. And even, um, he had another project. As a vacationer. Oh, see, you got me. Now I'm stumped. I don't know this one. I I, I got to lay I'm on impressed. I'm stumped. Well, let me see. I want to say I enjoyed it because his vocals. And it's actually like why I enjoyed Real Friends for a while. Because I feel like um, Dan, the lead singer, sounded like Kenny. Like a lot like that. Oh, yeah, it is. It is vacationer. Okay. So bravo. Even, the look at me. All right. So maybe I messed up with Charlotte. But, you know, we got uh, this. Bravo. Um, yeah. <laughs> So even that, like, I love Kenny and I, I love the starting line and yeah, dashboard hits all the time. You got to like that or death cab, but that's another one whenever you're down. But I don't know. I, I just, for me, I feel like if I listen to more aggressive music, like if I put on under oath or turnstile or something like that, when I'm down, I don't know, I feel better. And I know maybe someone might say the more aggressive, I'll get through it a little bit. I don't know. Can we look forward to in this new year of 2024, for your band, like, I know you've mentioned a couple things, but like for you, like if we can manifest anything, like what is one thing you'd like to see happen for you guys? You know, the beer collab was a big thing for me for a while, yeah. just being the business guy, but that's pretty much coming together and will be a thing soon. So that's kind of like, uh, that's checked off the bucket list. And now I'm onto the next thing on the list. So I, I think for me, the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is putting this in some larger rooms and getting a bigger audience uh, in front of it more consistently. You know, I, I, I like our little 200 person shows we've been doing lately, but I'm ready to put five, 600 people in front of it. You know, I'm ready, you know, for to play at music fest and, you know, have 40 feet of stage to run a marathon on and not have to worry about spinning and hitting one of the guys with a guitar. <laughs> so, yeah. No, oh, okay. yeah. I, yeah. I, no, that, that would be so amazing for you guys. You know, I think for me, musically, actually, the biggest thing I'm looking forward to this year is I, I'm actually writing some more original stuff again this year that I'm hoping to put out. So that'll be that's that's kind of the thing 
I don't want to say I'm looking forward to more than anything that's going on with the tribute, but I haven't put <laughs> new music out since 2020, you know, 2019, 2020. So I'm kind of looking forward to putting a couple of new songs out of my own. And then, uh, yeah, just getting the band in front of getting the tribute act in front of some bigger crowds. You know, we got some new merch coming in. That's cool. We're kind of getting ready to start spoofing some popular band t-shirt designs that everybody will recognize that we're going to start spoofing and selling some of, which will be cool just to keep with the theme. So. Oh, that's so cool. Like I said, I, I miss that. I miss the merch of warp tour. I miss all that. And it just is one of those things that it's just so special. And again, that's why I, I wanted to have you on because I felt like if we can maybe get some more people your way or just what you're doing, because I think even the younger kids that maybe didn't experience warp tour or had one under their belt, like who knows, maybe warp tour will come back, but until then, you know, they can, they have bands like you guys that are doing it. Kevin, Kevin Lyman is very much the last I heard enjoying his uh, music business professor job at university of Southern California right now. Yep. Good for him. Pretty pissed. I'm already out of music business school. Cause that would have been where I would have went. Oh, see, well, that's uh, maybe I should have gone there because I originally majored in music business management at mm -hmm. Columbia in Chicago. And um, it was one of those things. It was it was so expensive. Admittedly, that was the main thing. And it, it sucks. But I just felt like, oh, I can do more out of school. I don't need all this. I can just network. And so I networked for a couple of years. And yeah, it was really great. But then like over time. I just got really jaded in the business aspect of it. And it was like, oh, I love music. I want to be a good part in the music industry, but am I going to hate it because of this too? Like the business part of it and do yeah. all that. And you got to separate it. I mean, you know, the best, first of all, I'm sitting here. I never even finished my degree. You know, I, I started working so much that I didn't, it, I was so far into the industry at that point. I was like, it, this degree is not going to change much of anything for me. So why am I going to waste the money? It, terrible advice don't do that yes uh, yeah fin don't me fin same here. finish school yes but uh <laughs> like uh you know i don't have any regrets you know here no. i am you know it's been 10 years since i was in school and i'm doing perfectly fine you know but um i don't know it, it's one of those things the thing i like to remind everybody is it's called music business for a reason mm -hmm. the music is the first part because that's why you're doing it but that part doesn't happen without the second part, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. for me, it's like, you got to know enough on the business side of it to be able to do your music. And if you don't, you need to have a team to help you do that. You know? Yeah, no, I, I learned a lot when I was there where it was like, Oh gosh, like there is, I mean, again, like you just said, there's business for a reason. And, um, definitely learned along the way too. And the cutthroatness of it too. And, uh, you know, and also just being a woman too, trying to do it too. Like, I hate to throw that out there, but that was another thing, you know, you get um, even little pitches we do for this podcast. I know for a fact, I'm like, I know they see two girls names and they're like, but. It's, oh yeah. And, and it's I struggle with this podcast and I, I never want like a pity party, but it's like, dude, like if I had a dude on here, you know, I mean, I love you, Justine, but if I had a dude or we had one dude on here, I know for a fact it's, we would maybe get some of those. Yeah. And you know what? It's not just with you guys. It's a struggle in the industry in general. You know, yeah. it's, you know, if you, 
this is going to sound a little misogynistic, but you put a woman on stage and dress her up a little scandalous. Everybody goes apeshit. But mm -hmm. the minute you put a girl behind the scenes, nobody takes it seriously. You know, you know, that's one thing I've always been very big on and pro on is getting more women into the industry, because I think it'll help a lot. And, you know, it'll change the whole overall environment, especially in a backstage aspect of things and on the production end of things, you know, because it it is still a little misogynistic and the more women coming in helps, you know, and, and it, and it's good because it shows like women have more to offer this industry than just going on stage and, you know, as shitty as it sounds, having their boobs out or shaking mm -hmm. their ass, you know, yeah. because that's, that's what happens a lot of the times. And, you know, that's, I see that even with, you know, even with cover bands, for example, you know, there's a big cover scene at the beach bars in the summer and, I've seen them take bands that have been committed to a club for five, 10 years who are great, but they push them out of the way because here's this 22 year old girl who started a cover band and she's dressing barely on stage. Mm -hmm. So they're like, Oh yeah, that's what our customers want. They want, it's like nobody like, yeah, yeah maybe, but at the same time, not really like they want to hear a good band and drink to a good band. So like, you know, and, and it, it sucks because you still see that kind of stuff. And that's such an old school mentality. Like it's, if a person is good, I don't care what they're wearing on stage. They can be purple. They can be blue. I don't care who they are. If they're good on stage, they're good on stage. But this whole mentality of like sex still being the cell in the pop world is just, it's getting old, you know? And then you look behind the scene, you know, you look at a, a situation like a Lizzo, for example, you know? everybody on her crew was just absolutely beaten into the dirt by her, you know, mm -hmm. and just the way she treated people. And that happens all over the place, you know, it, it but the, you know, Lizzo was kind of helping the misogynistic aspect until this came out. And, you know, I, I knew the girl who ran sound for her. She's great. She lives in Pennsylvania. She's done work tours. She's done all kinds of stuff. And she even said, you know, she had experiences with it and I'm not going to dispose any of that. Cause that's her business. Yeah. But like, you know, like there's such, you know, Lizzo's kind of an example of there was somebody who had the chance to really make a difference. She was good. She wasn't up there trying to have sex appeal, quote unquote, you know, mm -hmm. she was just up there doing her thing, but she really hurt, you know, and set everything back a little bit by the way she was acting, you know? And, so for me, I've always been pro. We need more women in this industry. You know, we need more women in this industry, not just on a stage, but in a backstage aspect or, you know, even in like an aspect of you are on stage, but you're not the star, mm -hmm. you know, Backstreet Boys, for an example, for a long time, they had this girl who played guitar for her. phenomenal musician, phenomenal. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, look at right now, even with Turnstile, they have, um, I can't think yep. of her name, but um, it, it, I love to see that as for yep. me, like a big band, like turnstile have that and show that to, you know, the dudes in the crowd, like, and, and be like that. Hey, you know what? It doesn't matter. And oh, I appreciate you said that. I think I, I, I love, I love when someone says that because I think we're still in that era where it's, it's getting a little better, but I think the industry just needs to shift even more. Like we're, okay. women are getting the opportunities, but not nearly enough. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but oh my gosh, this has been so great. Like, I am so happy that we had you on because whether it was talking about Warped Tour or your band or just, I don't know. I just, I loved this conversation. I know people are going to say you say that all the time, but I really, 
really did. And if people want to find you um, and your band, I know I'm going to post the links, but if they're <laughs> listening and they want to hear it, um, where can they find you guys? Uh, so the tribute band is on Facebook and Instagram right now, TikTok at some point, uh, Warp, Warped Band PA. Um, you can get online too if you just go to warpband.com. We have a website there that has all of our shows and different stuff on it. As far as some of my original stuff, August Winters PA, and you can find that's on everything YouTube, music, Amazon, Spotify, Deezer, all of them, you know, and, uh, you know, and as far as me, if you want to come see a show, not of me playing, check out Santander Arena. Mm -hmm. Come up to Reading and come see a show. Yeah, everyone's going to head head over to these links for real. I, I'm hoping to get out to see you guys. Like, it's got to happen because I want to have a good time and relive that. And we'll see. I don't know how far. I'm, like, not good with geography. So if I'm in New Jersey, it's got to be, like, an hour and a half, maybe two hours. I don't know. You could. We got April 20th in Pottstown. That's that's coming out your way. All right. Well, that's, there you that's go. starting out that way. You know, that's pretty – it's closer for you at least. I'll take it. I will. But I – oh. Thank you so much. Again, like I, I loved looking back at this warp stuff and now I like, feel like I have to go watch a warp tour like DVD and like get that and especially good Charlotte, get my good Charlotte in for the day. But uh, uh, have a great rest of your day, Drew. And thank Absolutely. you so, so much. Thank you both for having me. And, yes. Uh, check out stereotherapy. Yeah. Yeah, guys. Come on. <laughs> check everybody out that comes on here for real. But uh, I know we'll talk soon. We'll say when this is coming out and. Oh. I know I've said it, but I appreciate it. All right. And that was our conversation with Drew Zimmerman from the Warped Band. We really loved this conversation. Like, I felt like I could have, like, called hung out because, like, we literally do hang out on Zoom, right? Um, with Drew all day, I think he is someone that has a lot of experience in the industry. He's also someone that truly is taking what they're doing seriously as far as this tribute you know, he talks about what they do to get those specific sounds. And if it's not right, they're not going to do it. And I think in a world where we miss the warp Tour, what better way to support a band that is paying tribute to something we all love so much? I also appreciated Drew near the end of the conversation saying how he advocates for more, more women in the industry. That is something that honestly means so much to me. And as someone that does this podcast, I just... It meant so much to have someone say that. So, Drew, we love you, and we're so happy you came on if you're listening to this. Um, again, check out these links. Go check out the Warp Band. As for Justine and I, you guys are going to hear us next Tuesday. As always, you know, new episodes drop every Tuesday, usually like 6 a.m.-ish, whatever, you know, whatever time zone you're in. But we will see you guys next Tuesday. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs>